Okay, let's try this again. Good morning, everyone. I know uh, some people are not feeling well during this uh, flu and cold season, so please take care of yourself. There's a hand sanitizer here. If you need to wash your hands, science has proved that if you wash your hands, it helps a lot with fighting the virus and bacteria. And you may wonder where is um, Pastor Jeremy and Mandy and Jane. Uh, their, Pastor Jeremy is on sabbatical uh, this month. He will be back with us on March 31st, um, Easter. And we will have a um, baptism on that day too. So please uh, take care of yourselves and pray for uh, Pastor Jeremy, Mandy, and Jane to have uh, a good sabbatical to have some rest uh, from us. And now you can start recording the sermon. Uh, today we're gonna talk about Mark chapter 10. If you got your Bible, flip the pages to Mark chapter 10. And if you need a Bible, grab a copy from the bookshelf. It's hidden behind the, the whiteboard. Uh, feel free to just walk around. And through the sermon, if you need to stand up, stretch a little bit, by all means, go for it. Get Kleenex and whatever you need. And this morning, we come to an interesting passage of a very deep story in the scripture and not something we give a lot of thoughts to. But let's see how the Lord will reveal his truth to us through this passage this morning. And we will learn three different things. You see, Jesus has done a lot of uh, ministries, walking around, teaching people and performing miracles. And at this time, there was someone a rich person who came and asked a very interesting question. Let's see how the story panned out. Next. Okay, I'll read from Mark chapter 10, the first five verses. They were on their way up to, no, that's the next one, hang on. Ah, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to, in, to inherit eternal life? Imagine this public scene. There's a public space, public roads. Someone just came up and kneeled in front of Jesus and asked the question. Imagine that scene taking place on campus or at work or public supermarket maybe on the street. Very odd to have someone to just come up and kneel in front of someone else. I was watching a show recently. There was uh, this person who claimed to be the second coming of Christ. And he was really good at, you know, interacting with people. And some pastor uh, fell for it and thought uh, he might be truly the second coming of Christ. And this person, of course, in the show, uh, so it's not real life uh, scenario, but he did ask this, if you really believe I am he, why don't you kneel in front of me? So I want to ask you guys the same question. If Jesus were here today in the public place, 
Maybe you're in front, uh, in front of him with your friends or your families, maybe strangers. Would you dare to kneel before Christ because he is God? And risk being ridiculed, maybe? Uh, being risked, um, being made fun of, right? Kneeling in front of someone else. And yet what's amazing is this person did it. Not only that, let's, let's, let's look further why this is uh, special in this case. Jesus responds by not answering his question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus' response was this, why do you call me good? He zeroed in on that qualifier, good. And Jesus answered, no one is good except God. And he noticed he did not deny that he's not good, but he merely asked, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. And then this person responded, teacher, he declared, pay attention to this. All these I have kept since I was a boy. Since this person was a boy able to decide for himself take actions by himself, he has kept all these commandments. If someone asks me to keep these commandments, uh, if I am keeping these commandments continually since I became a Christian, not even I, since I was a boy, since I was a Christian, I could not raise my hand. Can, can any one of you say the same? Maybe you're with me. How difficult is it to keep uh, all these commands? Especially like th that last one, honor your father and mother. <laughs> Can't say that I have. But this person said, teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. And this part is interesting. Jesus looked at him. He did not rebuke him. He did not tell him that he's lying. He said, and Jesus looked at him and loved him. The Greek word agape, the one we're so familiar with, right? The selfless love, the sacrificial love. Jesus agape this person. One thing you do lack, I can picture Jesus' voice slowing down. Now he needs to say something important to this person to grab, <clears throat> to get his attention not to rebuke him, not to reject him, not to deny him, but to point out there is one thing you lack. One, just one thing you lack to inherit eternal life. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. Wow. I want to call your attention to the comments that Jesus told this person to do. You can see from the slides. Now we know the 10 commandments God gave to the nation of Israel through Moses. 
the first four, you shall not have other gods before me, you shall not make idols, you shall not use the name of God, misuse or abuse the name of God, and keep Sabbath. The first four, establishing the relationship between God and the nation. The last six of the Ten Commandments, establishing a fair, healthy relationship between people, and they are listed here. Interesting, Jesus told him, all those straight out of the last six uh, commandments, except you shall not defraud. Interesting, isn't it? Now, what does defraud mean? Um, I, okay, yeah, sorry. This part, I'm hoping for some interaction, some uh, people to respond. What does defraud mean? You shall not cheat, right? In this country, you shall not cheat the person out of their money. It turned out that later on, we learned this person is very rich, right? He was very rich, and um, uh, there are probably probably no need for him to defraud the poor, to defraud other people. And I don't know, maybe his money is coming from uh, righteous means. There's no reason for him to do that. But Jesus changed. Um, Jesus didn't mention the 10th commandment. You shall not covet to you shall not defraud. You shall not cheat. And this person responded, I have done all this since I was a kid since I was a boy. Uh, and finally, Jesus told him, one thing you lack, sell everything you have and give to the poor. So did Jesus answer this man's question? He did. What did this person do to inherit eternal life? It's easy. Isn't it? According to the first part. You just have to write, ask the right person the right question and have the right response. And that's it. Doesn't matter what you have. Doesn't matter where you are in life. Just do it. And we know in this case, who's the right person to ask? Jesus himself. What was the right question? What must I do to inherit eternal life? What do you think about the response of this person? Could he do it? He couldn't. It's too hard. It was hard for him. According to the scripture, we know right here, he has so much money, it was hard for him to give it up. A few weeks ago, I mentioned there are a few distortions in a believer's life. Things that we took as a sign of our closeness with God. But in turn out, by themselves, those could be false signs. One of the signs is the distortion of legality. It kind of goes like this. If I just do everything the Bible told me to do, that means I have a close relationship with God. It means 
I, I am in, um, I'm doing good before God. But right here, Jesus responds to this person is, instead of following the, the law, think about why you follow the law. Instead of following the law, I will show you something better. Come and follow me instead. And that's something Jesus is offering to this person. Instead of following the words that see in front of you, but go deep and see the hearts behind the law and do it. So it's easier than you think. You just have to have the right response. A question for us this morning. If Jesus were to have this conversation with you, what would he ask you to surrender and, and follow him? What do you take as a sign of your relationship with God? And maybe that thing itself is blocking you from seeing the true God himself. What would that thing be? You think you're doing, maybe we think we're doing pretty good in life. We come to church on Sundays and we pray and we do all these things. But are we really following Christ? Are we people after his heart? That's something for us to think about this morning through this scripture. Now, the text tells us um, at, this, at this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. It was difficult for, for him to do that. I picture this uh, person carrying a big bag of money or whatever is the treasure or whatever that he's carrying with him a huge bag of it kind of like santa claus you know with the, all the toys walking into god's kingdom only to realize he did not need any of those to get into the kingdom of god uh, this rich person left uh, according to the scripture he went away sad I wish he would have stayed and listened to the following exchange between Jesus and the disciples. Let's see what happened next. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Interesting, the disciples were amazed at his words, Jesus saw it. They saw the facial expressions. They were amazed. He said something that they did not quite comprehend. And we will come back to that, why that was uh, hard to understand. But Jesus said again, children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved?
，但是介绍首先曹为什么是大哥，这并不能说明这个人就是后台，对吧？很有可能是工作人员。All good. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Uh, well, whoever's on Zoom, uh, thank you for joining us this morning. Okay, so why would it? Why would this? Why would people be amazed by saying this? Imagine this: a high school senior who is a straight A student with a GPA of what? What's a full score of GPA nowadays? Is it still sixteen hundred? Ah, oh, sorry, GPA. Well, GPA. Well, you're straight A. Okay. Uh, I mean SAT score. Sixteen hundred. Okay, sixteen hundred. And this student is a state champion of spelling bees. Also, the captain of the basketball team, football team, and baseball team. And the debating, he got accepted into NASA as the youngest intern ever. Started their own business and earned quarter million dollars every year. This person's parents were alumni at this wonderful, prestigious college in the country. They donate millions of dollars every year to this college, and yet his application to this college was rejected. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> Gasp. Right. What is going on here? Because you see, in Judaism, through the scripture that we read this morning, we often they often associate wealth with God's blessing, God's favor. If someone has a lot of wealth, it means God is overseeing this person, this family. And bless them with rich blessings in life. So when they when we see the word rich in the minds of、uh, of a Jew, they were thinking more than rich. They're thinking this person is not only rich, he's also righteous. He is also holy. He is also favored by God. So when someone like that walks in, and Jesus told them, you know what, it's actually harder for this person. To enter the kingdom of God, than a camel through the eye of a needle. So, back to that question: What must we do to inherit eternal life? It's easier than we think. Just ask the right question to the right person and have the right response. But the answer is harder than we realize, because we cannot. Do it. We cannot do it. Only God can do it. This is something that's a hundred percent. I'm careful with my words. I'm a hundred percent. It's by God's grace alone. One thing that's on our part is to believe. To believe. That this can only be done by God. The disciples were even more amazed. That's why, and said to each other, "Who then can be saved?" Come up with another great question, and let's see how Jesus answered that this time.、Uh, did I not talk about that? Oh, 
Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Apologize, I missed this verse uh, the first time I read it. All things are possible with God. So this is not something that we can do on our own, but this is something that only God can do. And this thing of uh, only God can do it will permeate throughout a, a believer's life. Apostle Paul, whom we considered as a giant in our faith, said this later in, in his life. My, my flesh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Meaning even for someone like him, who's been following God all his life, he's been beaten, whipped, thrown off a cliff, imprisoned, survived through a shipwreck, or because of he wants to follow God, still recognize it's not always up to the flesh. He needs to rely on God alone. For someone as strong as him, needs to rely on God. And that's something that we, when we want this Christian faith, that we need to realize to rely on God. Let's see what happens next. This part is uh, really intriguing. Uh, Peter spoke up. We have left everything to follow you. Who's this we? As we often find out, Peter a lot of times acts as the spokesperson for the 12 disciples, uh, the students close to, to Christ. And he's speaking on behalf of the 12. We have left everything to follow you. And this is Jesus' response. Truly, I tell you, no one who has left home, hopefully you guys are keeping a list. No one has truly left home, or brother, or sister, or mother, or father, or children, or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. So whatever this you must do, we must do to inherit eternal life. It's easier than we think. It's harder than we realized. And it's also better than what we can imagine. A hundredfold of what? Okay, let's see here. Jesus said, you have to, let, you have to leave all this behind, but you're going to get them back a hundredfold. In, in this current life? Is he talking about physically, literally, these things? And by the way, something is missing. Did you guys find out what it was? The first, the first list that you have to leave and then the second list, what you will receive? Someone say something? Father, <laughs> father is missing. Care to guess why? Probably pretty straightforward to some of you, huh? What father will you get in return? 
the Heavenly Father you will get in return. Sorry, earthly fathers sitting in this room who are not on the list. But what do you think? Is Jesus talking about literal people that you will get? You're going to get a hundred homes, a hundred brothers, a hundred sisters. I can imagine having a hundred children. <laughs> what about you? Is that what he's talking about? Probably not, right? At least not according to um, uh, the New Testament. We haven't read any occurrence of such inheritance in return. Someone getting literally a hundred of those. Well, is Jesus talking about uh, the church? Would he be meaning the church family? You may have to leave your natural families, nucleus families behind to join the church family. And what we inherit is this church family. Could that be the case? A famous theologian and pastor, John Piper, he applied this passage to missionaries. You know, the one who travel to the remote areas of the world and often work all their lives in solitude. They don't get a family like this. Sometimes they have to uh, work alone by themselves without companions for many years to bear the fruit. So this passage does not certainly uh, apply to missionaries out in the field. So who might that be? What might that blessing be that's worth hundreds of families added up together? John Piper speculated, and I want to share this because I think he has a good point. This blessing that's better than hundreds of families who can provide us with warmth, with support, with guidance, with wisdom, might just be Jesus himself. So whatever we're surrendering here, we're getting Christ in return. And something else worth calling up here, Jesus added persecutions. He considered that as part of the package, part of the blessings that we will inherit when we choose to follow him. Now, if we don't like it, cross those three words out along with persecutions. And what you end up with is a nice prosperity gospel. You got everything in hundredfold without the persecution. But the true gospel, the real gospel will have that. And we know what persecution plays in our lives. Right? Uh, I used to believe this. Uh, people are like, well, if we compare people to wood, you got the natural wood and you got the pressured wood. Which one will withstand the weather elements better? In constructions, we use the pressured wood. It's being treated with pressure. Now they can last longer. These are what persecutions do for us. And something else I realized in recent years is not only that persecutions pressure us, it actually ex 
bends us. Persecutions and these unpleasant uh, and, and painful experiences, we do for the sake of the gospel, not only make us stronger to weather the elements in life, but expands our lives as well. We have more connections with God in different places. Toward the end of this passage, Jesus said this, many who are first will be last and the last first. Interesting, right after this passage, Jesus went on and predict his death and resurrection for a third time in the book of Mark. The first fruit of God, the firstborn of God, chose to be the last to die on the cross for us. The first will be last and the last first. I heard this story many years ago. A believer who uh, passed and went to heaven, to the heavenly home, and the angels up in heaven were giving him a tour of the place, right? Uh, the heavenly, this new city, this is where you're gonna live, that's your place, this is the swimming pool, that's the treadmill. I, I don't know, I'm making things up. And in the middle of the city is this giant, beautiful castle it's just wonderful, it's just beautiful place. But every time they walk past that castle, the angel mentioned nothing about what's in it. The door's not locked, anyone can go in. He didn't bother to take this person. As they do the tour a couple times around the city, every time he saw the castle, he wanted to ask this angel, what's in it? And never got the answer. And finally, <laughs> he couldn't hold it anymore. He asked him, what, what is in that beautiful castle place? Uh, how, how come you didn't take me in there? And then the angel said, do you really want to know? He said, yeah, of course. And he told them, in the castle, that's a, that's a storage warehouse, by the way. Looks nice on the outside. But inside, it's just a warehouse. And it has boxes and boxes of records. What kind of records? Every single box has the name of the believers for their life. So I will have a box, you will have a box, we all have a box. And what's inside the box is a list of things, of times that we say no to God to follow him in this life the blessings that we could have inherited hundredfold, but we chose to, to keep what we already have and walk and say no to God. And those blessings became unrealized in this current life. And this, this rich man who, uh, who walk away sad because he think he has so much wealth in this life. What is those things that we hang on so tight, we don't want to let go, and we don't get to realize the hundreds, the hundredfolds of blessings that Jesus has for us.
I encourage you, brothers and sisters, this week, give Jesus a chance. He has died on the cross for you because he looked at us and he loved us. What might be some things that he invites you to be the last along with him? And once you accept it, he will turn that into a hundredfold. And blessing of following him to be realized in your life. Just find one thing this week, okay? See what Jesus has in store for you. As we come to a uh, second part of the service this morning, we'll take a communion together. As I mentioned earlier, right after Jesus said, first will be last and last will be first. He went on and predict his death for a third time. We know the scripture told us he became the perfect sacrifice, the perfect land for us, giving his body and his blood for our sins, to atone for what we could not do, because only God, only Jesus could do it. So as we reflect on that this morning, I'll give you some time to, um, to reflect on the work in the person of Christ, and we are ready, come on up and grab a communion cup.